And that's ultimately what redemption points to. So let's begin our service, if we will, as we remember John and remember God's grace in his life with a word of prayer. So if you would, just pray with me briefly. Our Father, death is a reminder to us that sin has entered into this world, but the hope we have is also an expression of our confidence that you have conquered death through the death and the resurrection of your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord, it is for that reason that you could say, the one who lives and believes in you shall never die. And so we feel this side of heaven, the loss of a dear friend, husband, father, pastor, one loved by many because of his love to them. And so we ask that as we remember him, that he is honored by the things that we say, and that you, Christ, are honored because ultimately we come to remember a trophy of your grace and one who loved you because you first loved him. And so we commit this service to that end, to the honor of a friend and the remembrance of a friend we loved, but ultimately to the grace of a Savior who shed his blood that he might be with you now and forevermore. And so it's to that end we commit ourselves and this service, and we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. I'm Paul Weiss. I'm a friend of John since he's been in Connecticut, and um, we're going to do a lot of singing this morning because uh, we know the Lord, and we know that John, ever since he uh, became a Christian, in uh, Waterbury all those years ago that he was a pilgrim and he was a stranger here below. But now he's where he really wants to be in his home country in heaven with the Lord. And uh, John loved music except classical music he did not like. (laughs) He made that very clear to me. Um, And we're going to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness, but before, you know, when he passed away, which I just uh, got a text from him on Friday, we talked a lot. And so when he passed away, I was, to me, it was sudden. It was very sudden. But I thought of, of um, something a, a well-known Christian dad said, and he would always tell his kids, and he said, when Jesus takes your hand, he keeps you tight. When Jesus keeps you tight, he leads you through your whole life. When Jesus leads you through your whole life, he brings you safely home. And so, you know, John was very sick. And um, what he was looking forward to, if he was still here, was not pleasant. And so it really was a mercy that the Lord took him so quickly. So if we could stand, and we're going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, number 43 in your hymn book. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is 
faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, stars and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to have some special music. First, as the deer pants for the water. You alone are my strength, 
Jamie is going to sing, I Can Only Imagine. So I'll be the first one to cry up here just to break the ice. Um, you know, there's very few people in your life that you allow in close enough to have a major influence in your life. And uh, John was one of those guys for me. And um, <clears throat> it was a long time ago, <laughs> about 25 years ago, um, that I came into Epsom Bible Church and stole one of their sweethearts. And um, John married us, and um, John has played just a major role in our life. Um, those first 10 years or so of our marriage that we were there. Then I got a crazy idea of going into ministry, and uh, John helped us pack, helped us move, drove us down to Virginia. And I'm not sure if that's because he was helping us or wanting to see us leave, but um, it was uh, a 10-hour trip that turned into 18 hours, and we had to stop in Connecticut and grab one of his favorite sandwiches. But um, it was just a, it was just, it's a privilege and a blessing to call him a friend. And uh, I guess one of his favorite songs was, I Can Only Imagine. And... Um, I'm going to try to get through it. If you know it, sing with me. That'll help. 
can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. Only imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Hey, yeah. I can only imagine. only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun I can only imagine when all I will do is forever forever worship you I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or now if you be still, will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? Be able to speak it all. Yeah, I wondered if John was going to someday talk to my mother up there. Um, kind of one of the first things I thought about because you start thinking of how many people do you know that have graduated and gone to heaven and are they going to meet other people. Um, but uh, now uh, uh, Lee is going to give us some 
thoughts, reflections about John. Uh, sorry about the tooth. It's an implant. It'll be ready next week, but please don't let that be a distraction for, for what I'm trying to, trying to say anyway. Uh, you know, there could, be a, there could be a thousand other guys standing up here in my place because John loved me and discipled me and mentored me, but he did that to so many others, even those guys sitting in this room. So, uh, but Ruth, I want to thank you for the privilege. I'm honored to be here. Um, it's, it's truly an honor. When you called, I was floored and humbled, and I'm thankful to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to, to talk. All right. Where do you start? John Spring, where do I, where do I start? And in fact, I, that was the first thing I said to my wife, and I thought, let me just say that. I don't, didn't know where to start. One thing I do know, I'm a better man for knowing John, John Spring. John and Ruth and kids came to Epsom, where we were attending at Epsom Baptist Church then. We fell in love with them right away. We learned many wonderful songs together. Uh, John and Ruth were delighted that the kids learned fabulous songs such as The Bedbugs and the Roaches, many others. We learned descriptive new lyrics to Wonderful Grace of Jesus and other songs that uh, we won't talk about here, but you could ask Ruth about. The kids loved it, I'll say. I don't know about John and Ruth, but they never scolded us, but at any rate. We quickly learned that John and Ruth knew how to laugh and that they realized it was not sinful to laugh and enjoy sweet, sweet fellowship with each other. Uh, after a time of John's time there, I think he was there for 20, 22 years, 21 years, long, long time. Uh, I became an elder and served with him, had the privilege of serving with him. Come talk to me later. I've got uh, things to say. But after, after many of our elders' meetings, some of the guys would just hang around. Jim Kidder, you remember those days. Uh, and we'd, we'd sit around and, and just chatted and talked. And we called it the afterglow. And it was the meeting after the meeting. And, and what I realized later was that the rabbit trails that we chased, that John had us chase, was really John pouring his vast experience of ministry into us guys. Um, amazing times of growth, not just in the elders' meetings, but the impromptu afterglow. <clears throat> so much of ministry is caught rather than taught. That's a Johnism. He has said that many, many times. John not only lived out his life to be caught, but oh, how he knew the Word of God. It's one thing to memorize the Word, but it's amazing. the amazing thing with John was that he knew its application in whatever circumstances he found himself. He always had the right scripture for the right situation. And you've, you folks have heard John say just months ago as he preached here, everything we think or say should go through the grid of scripture. That's tough when you don't know the scripture. John did. Another thing uh, that John would say, and I'll have you guys finish it. You should have so much of the word in you that when you cut, you don't bleed. You what? Bibble. You bibble. You have so much of God's word in you that when you cut, you don't bleed. You bibble. Another Johnism. I just love, and John loved Acts chapter 20. Very emotional, full of emotion. It talks about Paul not shrinking back from two things. Teaching publicly anything that was profitable, as well as not 
shrinking back from declaring to you, the church, the whole purpose of God. John did that for all those years he was there. Titus 1.9 gives us, in a nutshell, the role of an elder. Exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. Both sides of the same coin, the positive side of building the flock up and the somewhat negative side, or what could seem to be negative, side of protecting the flock from false teachers. And both of those we experienced in the time that John was there. Uh, You must know the word of God to be able to do both of those well, and he did. Those verses are really a great snapshot of John Springs' life and, and ministry among us. He was a shepherd, a shepherd's shepherd, a lover of men. Oh, how he loved the flock. And I imagine he loves you. Where's uh, Joey? Uh, he loved you. He, he, we, we, we've talked about, he said, what a, what a great young man, a great young pastor. The, the people here are privileged to have, have him. So thank you for your ministry here. Powerful in a discussion, a great listener, though. He would hear you out, but very persuasive, and I appreciate it about him. We would talk, and we would always leave as friends uh, and allies, and yet there was great discussion, but he was a great listener. I think discipleship takes on many forms, and John Spring masterfully used them. I used to love Saturday morning's men's prayer breakfast, where we'd come We'd practice the sin of gluttony and then pray to ask for forgiveness. (laughs) But I can remember John wearing a pair of blue jeans and a red plaid shirt, sitting on one of the teacher's desks and just holding court. And we just talked about anything and everything, the situations of the day, the political issues of the day. It wasn't the pulpit. The pulpit was reserved for God's word. But we just uh, talked about everything. And we laughed and we cried and then we prayed and he taught us how to shepherd our wives and our children. Uh, Even these days when I teach a class from time to time, many of the illustrations and the comments and the reflection I have are a direct result of John. It wasn't all serious business, as you know, an understatement here. John could tell a joke. I think that's really an understatement. Uh, How many of you guys know, and I don't know, really the scientific name, but John is, you know, he was very sick here at the end, but for many, many years he struggled with a particular physical ailment, and I, and I don't know really the scientific name of it, but it was, a, it was something here in his neck, it was some kind of, uh, I'm not really sure, it was a tumor of some kind, and, and, and they, they gave it a slang name, but it was because it, it, the, the form, the shape it took, a dog bone tumor, they called it, and, uh, and you can ask Ruth and the kids about that uh, poor John, I mean, he really suffered for many years at Epsom with that. Uh, I can't remember. It was on the left side or the right side. It didn't really matter. I mean, the, the point is he had it, and that was uh, the airplane and the brick joke, uh, the chocolate-covered peanuts. I don't know. Okay. Talk to the family about it later. Baseball cards. I'm sorry about that. I still I'm, I'm sorry, Ruth. <laughs> this morning you found them. I'm still sorry about that one, but it was really pretty funny. The, the golf ball rubber bands, there's many, many more. Uh, actually, get the book. It's 12 volumes. Uh, it's called Johnny's Jokes. There's an app for it, too. The joke in some of our elders' meetings was that it was, from time to time, there was an issue we had to deal with. We'd read a book, and uh, John would always look over to me. I'm not really a reader. As, I mean, I did 
I can read, but I, I, you know, I always look for the audio book. But John would say, it's okay, Lee, there's a lot of pictures and, and big, large print, so you're okay. But I, you know, I actually, being a non-reader, you know, I actually came to the point where I have favorite authors. And, and John Spring introduced me to those authors. One of them personally, John MacArthur, when we were out there for Shepherd's Conference. Uh, the, there's many others, I'm not going to go there. But uh, the fact is that, that when John was standing next to me, I stood taller. When John was sitting next to me, I sat straighter. When John was in the room, I was a smarter man. I was more Christ-like. I learned so much on the midnight, midnight rides in his car to catch a wayward husband coming home too late. That happened more than once. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1 says, Be imitators of me just as, as I am of Christ. Another way to put it is, Inasmuch as I follow Christ, follow me. And I follow John. Acts 4, 14 and 15. Now they observed the confidence of Peter and John being uneducated and untrained, unlearned men. They further marveled and began to realize them as having been with Jesus. Inasmuch as I follow Christ, follow me. John taught us how to love our God by doing it first himself. It's great to see you, Papa. Maria. My wife and I had the privilege in December uh, where John and Ruth, uh, to, to attend a dinner, John and Ruth, as well as Harry Fletcher and Muriel, Muriel his wife. Many of you know Harry, uh, a dear friend of the, the Springs and us, and uh, uh, one of John's mentors. I was honored to be in the same room with these two awesome couples. Harry mentored John over the years. It was amazing to see the generational spiritual family. It was a wonderful time of fellowship, renewal, stories, laughter, and much, much more laughter. Ruth, thank you so much for coming. I know. I'm grateful to you. I know how hard it was for you to, for you to be there. It was, it was not easy. So thank you. That it meant so much to us, Deb, Deb and, and the Fletchers as well. You see, I never knew what John was doing. Didn't always know what John was doing. More often than not, I didn't. I just loved to be near him, to be with him. I love the fact that he called me. He was so patient with me. I, I think... I sometimes feel as though I was the son he wished he never had. <laughs> but I am a better man because of it. Uh, even two weeks ago, due to some circumstances, I had to run a service call in Boston. And uh, I was uh, reminded again why I love John so much. He was preaching in this very church. I think he preached three times over the last couple of months. And I had three hours with John. I felt as though he was in the car with me. We laughed, we cried, and we thought how fortunate you folks are here at, at Newtown Bible Church. I actually calculated how long it would take to drive from Cape Cod to come here for Sunday morning services when I knew he was preaching. Uh, but then I, it's not going to happen. My wife didn't even know that. I didn't, uh, but let's see. You know, where do you, where do you start? Where do you end for a lifetime? You, you, can't, you can't do it. So these are just a few Recollections, Like I said, there could be a thousand guys up here saying the same thing. Alas, we grieve, but not as those without hope. We as believers never say goodbye. It's rather see you later. Johnny, I owe you a debt that I can never repay. You ran hard. You fought the good fight, the good fight. There's many fights we can fight. John fought the good fight. You have finished the course. You have kept the faith. Save me a seat right next to you. I'll see you later, and I love you.
Wow. So um, I said that John had uh, texted me on Friday, and I guess I kind of got into texting because my work schedule at the hospital is kind of wacky. And, but he also texted me on the Wednesday before, and I don't know if I can quote this exactly right, but he said, he said, he is no, he is no fool who gives up what he can't hold on to to gain what he doesn't deserve, something like that. And, and the thought was about why hold on to our, our sinful selves, our uh, future without hope, our heartbreak, our despair. Like I say, I work in, in, at Yale and I see, I work in the ED a lot, I see a lot of, of bad stuff. And I know John's thought was, why would you hold on to that? when you can know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Why? Why would you do that? It's, it's a ridiculous thought. So don't hold on. You know, if you're labored and you're heavy laden and you're heartbroken and you realize the world is, is going down the toilet, just flee to the savior. You know, one thing John, he talked a lot about how we like to preach at funerals and uh, and he told me one thing he would always say, you know, if the deceased was here, they would say thus and so. And I know if John was here, that's what he would tell you, is that he's happy in heaven, he's free from pain and suffering and worrying about Ruth, and he's with the Savior. And that's where our desire should be. Why hold on to your sin and your heartbreak and the society that is running as fast as it can away from the Lord. When you can be saved by accepting Christ as your personal savior and have peace in your heart and know where you're going. That's, uh, to me, that's a no-brainer. So um, anyway, we have a nice bouncy Baptist hymn, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, 198. We could stand and sing that. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praises begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free. For the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all-sufficient grace for even me. In the scope of my transgressions, Greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise his name. Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching to all the lost. By it I have been pardoned, saved to the uttermost. 
Chains have been torn asunder, giving me liberty for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all-sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise his name. Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching the most defiled. By a transforming power, making him God's dear child. Purchasing peace and heaven. For all eternity, for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea. Higher than a mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise his name. Amen. Good singing. Good Baptist singing there. So now uh, John's son is going to uh, talk about his dad. Um, well, uh, thanks everyone for coming out. Um, my mom asked me to share uh, a few things uh, on behalf of her, um, so I'm just going to read what you have. Uh, <clears throat> probably should have read it fully before I was up here, but we'll see. Um, mom would love to read this herself, but we all know how easily the tears flow with her. Um, she just wants you to know how much dad loved and continually prayed for each of the flocks that he served. We were so, excuse me, we were so thankful for the joy he left in ministering to the youth group at Middlebury Baptist Church. We had fun and the teens grew and it thrilled his heart to hear of several in full-time ministry and others so faithfully serving our Lord. It was a short time of ministry there, but God sealed the love for the teens and college and career groups as well as the rest of the flock. In Mars Hill Baptist Church, he got a kick out of telling others that he ministered in Mars Hill because of the reference in Acts 17, 22, and 23 concerning the unknown God. You were so patient with such a young pastor and wife. He loved ministering there and would often reflect back on our time there, and it was accompanied with joy and tears. We loved looking out the girl's bedroom window at bedtime and waved to Pearl through the window. Um, what an added blessing to live next door to such a godly, wise, and fun couple. He felt so blessed when he went to visit Pearl in the nursing home and she recognized him immediately. What fellowship they had. 
It thrilled him to see and hear of how many are serving God faithfully. Thank you for your ministry to us. He was so looking forward to visiting and preaching there in August. Now he, Edwin, and Pearl, and so many others are praising our Lord face to face. Maybe you should have read this. (laughs) To the Epsom Bible Church flock, what can I say? For almost 22 years and through many mountains and valleys, John loved not only the flock, but the people of Epsom and surrounding towns as well. We spoke of you and prayed for you regularly. Thank you for the many times you showed your love for the shepherd he sent you. What great memories, heartaches, and trials we shared. Do any of us look at a deer the same anymore? (laughs) Yeah. My dad thought he was a deer whisperer. (laughs) But really, it was a fake deer that uh, the game warden had posted out in the field. Um, to catch poachers. <laughs> but apparently my dad walked right up to the deer, whistling. <laughs> Thought he tamed the deer. Nope. Um, sorry. Um, he would constantly share with others um, the incredible way God used to build the church building and how it brought the flock even closer than we were before. How we loved talking with some of you in recent days and months, and the visits were such a blessing. His great desire to the end was that Christ be formed in you. He never stopped loving and caring for you. And now, can't we just imagine him racing with Gene Hebert and they're laughing together? And Gene finally realizing the Yankees are the best team after all. Amen. To our flock at Second Kent Baptist Church, we were small but mighty in worship. He cared for you all deeply and loved our Wednesday evening prayer and song time. To the Waldvogel children, he loved your heart for the Lord and always brought a smile to his face when we spoke and prayed for you. It brought his heart. It broke his heart when we had to close the doors to the ministry, but thrilled that now it is a vibrant, uh, sorry, but thrilled that now it is vibrant again through Lakeview Community Church. Lastly, though not our flock, but our newest church home, I do not have enough gratitude for our family here at Newtown Bible Church. If you could have been in our home as he spoke of the joy and privilege to have such a small part in sharing his intense love for God's word with you, as well as having a new audience for his stories and jokes. God truly gave both of us a deep love for this family, and he knew he directed us to be under a pastor that showed God's grace and love and invited him to use his God-given gifts. Thank you for your expression of love in the stair lift. His last days were so much easier because of it. He loved it. Thank you again. Best of all, you provided the opportunity for him to truly finish his race well. I can never <clears throat> excuse me. I can never thank you enough for that incredible gift to my family. 
Only the Lord and I know the depth of his love for each and every one of you. His consuming desire to the end was to see Christ formed in you. So as you remember, John, I pray it will move you to memorize and meditate on God's word and challenge you to do all things with a biblical mindset. Love each other well. Be devoted to one another in brotherly, in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. One of John's favorite verses was, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. So thankful for that assurance. Um, my turn. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of ticked at my dad a little bit, <clears throat> just because. Uh, I mean, he left before like I had a wife or kids to support me here, and uh, so. <laughs> you know, happy for you guys, but uh, no. Um, those of you who don't know me, my name is John Spring, and. I'm the son of the man we celebrate today. Um, now, I know it's obvious because I look exactly like him, but just in case, yeah, not really. Um, first, let me say thank you to everyone who is here and sacrificed of their time to honor my father and our family. Um, and not just those here, but those that reached out with messages, phone calls, gifts, and other avenues of care. Um, it brings more joy and comfort uh, to my family. Uh, to me and my family, then I'm sure you realize. And through it, you have truly been the comfort of God to our souls. Uh, on behalf of our family, we thank you. Uh, so how do you put into words what your hero for the last 37 years meant to you in just a few short minutes? Um, great question. I got no clue. Uh, so many memories have flooded my mind this week. As I reflected on the life of my father and all that he taught me and all that we experienced together and the man that he was to me and others. Do you talk about the days of playing catch or wiffle ball in the backyard or the endless nights staying up late and watching the, do uh, the Yankees dominate the Red Sox over and over? Uh, or the many model cars we built together? <clears throat> or how I barely even remember him missing a sporting event of mine? I don't think there was one ref, I don't think there was, uh, was any high school ref that would believe he was a pastor by the way he would, <laughs> by the way he would uh, lovingly remind them that they totally blew that call. <clears throat> um, um, Does it make sense to talk about his passion for woodworking? And many times he'd have to be rushed to the hospital because he sawed his finger off or injured himself. Um, or the fact that every little kid he met, he would suddenly turn into Donald Duck and ask in a duck's voice, what's your name? I'm not going to try it because <laughs> only he could do it. Um, those things are great, but they don't fulfill what's necessary about who he was. So would you address the fact that he loved to play pranks on people and loved making people laugh? My mom reminded me this week uh, of the time when he was with Roger Flood, who was one of the elders in our church, and they had uh, got done from uh, doing something, pulled into our church uh, parking lot, 
and uh, I'm going to butcher the story a little bit, but uh, anyways, got out, kind of talked a little bit more, said their goodbyes, and they were in uh, Roger's truck, and Roger got back in his car and tried to turn the truck on, wouldn't turn on, sitting there trying, so popped the trunk, my dad's, or pop, well, not the trunk, but you know, <laughs> the hood, popped the hood, and uh, they're looking, uh, you know, my dad's looking in the hood, trying it, nothing, can't hear it. He said, ah, Roger, why don't we, why don't we switch, switch seats? Let me hop in the, the bed, and you come around. Sure enough, my dad hops in the front, and uh, he's looking, and he realizes the car's not in park. So he goes, Roger, I'm such an idiot. I cannot, I cannot believe I didn't think of this. Roger's saying, what, 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 what is it? We haven't prayed. He goes, we haven't prayed. So they're in the church parking lot. There's, there's people around. So my dad gets out. And uh, what, did I get it wrong? Oh, I got it wrong? Correct me. No, I got it. What? No. I can't hear you. Oh, business. Oh, it's business parking lot. Okay. So Rogers. My apologies. Rogers. It was Rogers business parking lot. So. That makes more sense. Uh, so, so he gets out. My dad gets out, comes around, comes around the side of, can you all hear me? If I talk this. Comes around the side of the car and all extravagantly, you know, puts his hands on the car and starts this extravagant prayer. Oh, God, bring your mighty hand down upon this car. Please bring your power. And... Just makes the scene. So Roger's looking around going, you know, all embarrassed. So eventually he says, you know, let, let me try it again. Hops in the car and says, all right, Roger, when I, when I tell you, uh, get ready. All of a sudden my dad coughs and <coughs> puts, the car, puts the car in park. He goes, all right, let's try it. Starts the car and the, star, and the car starts right up. And all he remembers is having... Roger's hands on the hood, and he just sees him go, <laughs> and poke his, what, are you, are you kidding, what, 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 my dad said, Roger, there's two, there's two things I've learned, the power of prayer, and always put your car in park before you start it, <laughs> but that's just who my daddy is, he, he always looked for an opportunity uh, to make people laugh and, and to be a jokester. Um, and we all know that he probably would have told that story a lot better than I did uh, because that was his gift. Uh, he had a gift of storytelling uh, that kept you on the edge of your seat. Um, so, um, yeah, he never lacked for a good one. Or he never, uh, as Janelle reminded me, he would never pass up on an opportunity to use a pun uh, whenever he saw the window. Um, I remember spending a drive with uh, Bob Holmes and my dad, and I sat in the middle uh, of a U-Haul truck driving. I think we were driving to Pennsylvania, and uh, hours they would just go back with puns. And at one point I said, now I realize why they call it punishment. Uh, he was so ready to make people laugh. 
I can, never re- I can remember never really getting to enjoy a, a shower in peace as a kid because I, was always, I would always have to keep checking to see if a cold bucket of water was coming over the curtain. <clears throat> what he failed to realize is that as his son, I was quick to follow in his footsteps, and I don't think he was able to enjoy a shower himself from the time I could lift a bucket, over my, uh, bucket of water over my head until uh, I moved to California for college. Um, those memories are fun to reflect on, but they leave something lacking in who he really was. So what is it? What is it about this former high school druggie turned pastor that allowed him to affect so many? That's easy. It's easy to answer. It's easy for me to answer. The answer to that question is what made him who he was. It's what made him one of the most loving and sacrificial individuals I've ever met. It's what made him one of the best pastors I've ever met. It's what caused him to drop what he was doing at a moment's notice and drive to the hospital to visit the parents of a daughter in our church whose kidney was rejecting her body. what allowed him to speak the truth and love to a man dying of AIDS while his boyfriend sat by his bedside looking for hope. The thing that made my father who he was is the same thing that allowed so many lives to be changed through his counsel. One of the best things that I remember about my father was his ability to counsel with God's word. I remember sitting in our living room and putting the TV on mute time and time again while my dad would take the phone into the other room and counsel individuals through, scenario, through different scenarios and trials. Knowing he did not have a Bible within his reach, he would quote verse after verse, applying it so accurately to the situation at hand. I remember always testing my dad on the spot with what verse said what. Hey, Dad, what's Psalm 37 for? How about Proverbs 3.10? There are very few times that he did not have the correct answer. All that extended from one thing, the same thing that allowed us to talk for hours and hours about life and what it meant, or to discuss theology or a certain passage of scripture and apply it to my life. It's what made him one of the best preachers to ever come out of the Northeast. And yes, I'm going to miss his preaching, as I know many of you feel the same way. But it's also the thing that allowed him to bounce back from failures. It's what allowed me not to hate my father for different sins he committed, but to still hold him in high regard. It's what granted him the grace to still have an impact on so many, even up until the day of his death. It's one word. Jesus. That is the one thing that defined who John F. Spring was and what you talk about when celebrating his life. Because Jesus is the reason that my dad was able to affect so many individuals during his lifetime. It is Jesus that saved him from a life of drugs and sin. It is Jesus that became my father's passion for so many years. It is Jesus that my father longed to preach about and longed for others to know. It is Jesus that redeemed my father from his brokenness and restored him. It is Jesus that sustained him until the very end. 
And it's Jesus that changed his life forever and as a result has changed my life forever. Am I going to miss my father? Absolutely. More than I probably know. It's going to be weird calling home and not having him on the other end of the line. Or being able to ask him the meaning of a certain passage or what he would do in a certain counseling situation. Or celebrating when the Yankees win the World Series this year. I'm going to miss hearing his stupid jokes. Or listening to him sing how great thou art in the shower when you're just trying to sleep. Or watch his ugly cry when watching a sad movie. (laughs) Right? Oh, it was ugly. Uh, He passed that on to his kids, too. Um, You know, it's my last memory with my dad. Um, My last memory in person with my father was watching the movie I Can Only Imagine, uh, based on the story that um, Jamie sang earlier. Uh, Watched it with him and my mother. Yeah, he had the ugly cry during that movie. Um, But it's such a fitting memory, as it's what my father always longed to know and what I remember the most about my father. He always dreamed of his reunion with Jesus, what it would be like to be face-to-face with him. In the latter years of his life, he loved the story of the prodigal son in Luke 14. We'd talk about it for hours, and I feel like every time we talked, he'd have something different that he learned from that passage. He used to highlight the fact that the father in the story saw the son from afar off, which meant that the father was always looking for his son to return. And when he saw his son, he ran to him with full excitement. I have no doubt, I have no doubt that God received my father with full excitement, anticipation, and spoke the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's true. I can only imagine what my father is experiencing now. As my mom mentioned, we all know that he and Gene Hebert are dancing like crazy. Or that Lauren Murray was one of the first to greet him and show him his mansion. Those are obviously assumptions. But one day we'll all know exactly what it's like. And if my dad were here today, I'm diverting from the notes. But I wouldn't honor my dad if I didn't divert from the notes, right? Um, If he were to hear today, he would all want you to know that it is worth putting your faith and hope in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I remember at our old church in New Hampshire... Um, the verse on the wall to the right said John fourteen six, where Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but through me that was my dad's life that was my dad's message he wanted you to know that the only hope that you can have is if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ knowing that he is the one that died for your sins 
lived a perfect life so that your sins are forgiven. And when you put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, you are guaranteed eternity in heaven. Um, And it's not that you get heaven. It's that you get God. And that's what my dad's experiencing to this day, right? God's word says to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And I know that my dad is present with the Lord today. So those... Uh, So until that day, I know my father would love nothing more than the name of Jesus to be proclaimed because that's what he would want to be talked about. And that's what his life was all about. Yeah, he had failures. But Jesus redeemed him from those failures. And that's what he wants people to know. If Jesus can redeem a life like my father's, He can redeem anyone's life. My dad was my best friend. The guy I looked up to. The guy I'll miss the most in my life. But what he left with me forces me to never really miss him completely. Him and my my father and my mother gave me the greatest gift I could ever have. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, It's what gives me hope. It's what allows me to laugh today. It's what allows me to uh, be able to uh, look out and see all the people that he touched or just a a glimpse of the people that he touched with his life um, and know that uh, it was all worth it. It's what his life was about. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That defines my father. And it's for that reason I have never been more proud to bear the name John Spring than I have on this day. My only prayer is that I represent Jesus Christ to this world half as well as my father did. Thank you. Uh, John uh, Sr., he just uh, preached here. We had a chair set up not that long ago, and he did preach on Luke 15, which I was praying about because every time I met with him, he was talking about the prodigal son and the the lost coin and the lost sheep. And uh, and, uh, he preached kind of long, but he couldn't see the clock. So... (laughs) Um, But it was great. And it's on our website, and uh, it's worth, it's really worth listening to. But I told him afterwards, because we would talk a lot, I said, John, you know, if you never preached another sermon, if you went out to the car that day and had a heart attack, you would have gone out on an upstroke, because that was great. And I've listened to it since. And he told me afterwards, he said, Paul, my heart was so full of so much more I wanted to say, but I ran out of time. And I don't know, he preached for like an hour and a half or something. <laughs> but I told him, I said, well, if you get another chance. But he did, he did say one thing, that I, we, were, we were driving, uh, Ask Fanny Crosby's buried down the road. 
not many people know that in Bridgeport. And so I think the women were doing something and John and I drove to the cemetery where she's buried. And um, we, uh, we talked, we prayed, we sang at her graveside. But when we were going there, he, he was talking about Luke 15 and the, uh, the lost sheep and how the shepherd, he said, you know, there was, the shepherd had 100 sheep. I said, yeah. And he said, how did he know that there was one lost? And then he just left it. <laughs> and I looked at him, I'm like, that's a good question. How did he know? And he said, because he cared. He loved those sheep and he cared. And that was the kind of things that, that John would share with me that I'll, I'll uh, never forget. And we didn't really even know him that long. But he made a great impact on me and my wife. My daughter, Kathleen, would say, I want to ask John that. I want to talk to John and Ruth and get his advice. So, um, you know, there's a saying, somebody said it's better to burn out than to rust out. And John was serving the Lord right up until the end. We were planning on having a series of Bible studies and, uh, and uh, gatherings about marriage. And, uh, and he told me last week he had the first two... Uh, two Bible studies already written up and ready to go. So uh, he was a great example to me of you don't retire from service for the Lord. You just go until the Lord takes you home. So we're going to sing Worthy is the Lamb. We can stand. We're going to sing through it twice, 180 in the hymn book. Slain. Word. 
may be seated. Well, good afternoon. I think the message has already been preached. I really do. And so we're just going to expand on that lesson a little bit, on that message. My name is Tim Beechel. I'm the state director for Child Evangelism Fellowship of Massachusetts, and that is because of John Spring. I think it's been almost 40 years uh, when I first met John, close, I think, just about 40 years. And uh, I can still, still hear him. He'd call constantly, hey, Beetle, hey, Beetle, have you heard this one? And he'd, he'd have some kind of a joke, and we've talked about that. But, you know, it never, ever stopped there. It would always end up with talking about the Lord, always end up with Scripture, some Scripture. And he had some idea of Scripture, and, and he wanted to share that. And so even though, as we already heard, even though he was uh, a fun guy, he loved his Lord, and he loved the Scripture. And so he has had an impact on all of you and many, many more, and he had an impact on me. I know that he was very instrumental in getting me to Bible school. I always wanted to go to Bible school. I had a business that I was running. I had two teenage children. So I thought, well, it's never going to happen. Well, don't say that to John Spring. <laughs> he says, I have this place you'd love. Boy, you'd love this school. It's fundamental. It's a good school. You'd love it. And uh, I praise God that uh, I listened to what he said. And because of that, he had a huge impact in my life. And, and you look back over the 30 years we've been in Child Evangelism Fellowship, roughly. All those children that we were able to give the gospel to, they're on his account, too. And so he's impacted a lot of people in a lot of nifty ways. I can and I will, this is going to be a little different as uh, most of the messages because I do believe that the message has been, has been shared. So we're just going to expand. But I can remember in Bible school, he'd call Beetle. You need anything? You need anything? We're praying for you. And uh, I said, yeah, the old car won't make it up the hill anymore. Won't go up, won't go up to the top of the mountain to school. Well, what do you need? What do you need? He said, we'll pray. What do you, what do you need? I said, what I need is in the barn at the house. In Mars Hill. I said, I need, I need, I switched engines in the car so it would make it down there in the first place to Arkansas. And I said, what I need is in that car. Well, just tell me what you need. So I told him, and about two weeks later, I get this notice from the librarian. And the librarian says, you've got a big package and it smells like gasoline. So I went in, and here's the whole manifold and the carburetor, and he took it off. He went down to the barn and went down, took it off, and, and sent it to Bible school. So uh, he was quite the guy, quite the guy. And uh, I know that he has impacted many of you. He's impacted my son and my daughter. My son's here. I appreciate that. And uh, we have a lot of memories because he cared for people, didn't he? He cared for people, and that was the love of God that was shed abroad in his heart. He cared for people. And because he, sh because he cared for people, I think it's appropriate to take the message that was already taught this morning by the ones that stood up here and just expand that a little bit. Because he cares about you today, you right here. And that message is that God loves you. 
God loves you. I, I, could, I have a little book. I don't even know. It's, I got this book. This, this is what C. If you know what this is, it's a wordless book. That's the message that John would want to go forth here today, the wordless book. God loves you. You think about John 3.16 for a minute. You all know that. That's the most fav- famous verse, verse in all of the Bible. John 3.16. For God so loved you. Right? God so loved you. It's personal. He knows all about you, doesn't he? He knows the color of your eyes, how many hairs I'm losing off my head every day. He has them all counted. He knows whether you had a bad day today or a good day today. He knows all about you, and he still loves me. I can't imagine that. He knows my thoughts before they ever come across my tongue, and he still loves me. And the Bible says, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus. He gave his only begotten son for you. Why? Because the Bible talks about sin. The Bible says there's, there's none righteous, no, not one. Oh, I'm better than my neighbor. That's not the criteria. The criteria is perfection. God is perfect. Is that not true? How many of you think we can measure up or do anything that would impress a holy God? No. He says we're sinners. We've all gone our own way. We've all left. (laughs) You know, we have nothing to offer to God. And so he says all have sinned and fall short of God's perfect standards. That's why. That's why God so loved you that he sent his only son. I want you to think about that for a minute. They spit on my Lord. They whipped him with whips. They beat him. The Bible says they beat him so bad you couldn't even recognize him as a man. They pulled the beard out of his face. They spit on him. And they put that crown of thorns and they jammed it down on his head. And then they nailed him to a cross. And he died there. Why in the world? Why would God allow that to happen to his son? Why? Why would Jesus willingly let them do that to him? Because of that verse. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus said, I don't want them to be separated from me because of their sin. God's holy. He can't have that in heaven. He can't have that in his presence. The punishment for that sin is being separated from God forever. That's the death that it's talking about. The second death. And so he was willing to go through that and take the punishment that I deserve and you deserve because he loved you. He knew that without the giving of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. If Jesus would not have died on that cross, you and I would be stuck in our sin forever, lost. And rightfully so, because we're all sinners. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the only, that's the only payment for sin that God will accept, is the death, the blood shed of his son, his own begotten son. So think about the verse, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son to die for you. That whosoever, that's you. Yeah, that whosoever believeth on him. Who? On the Lord Jesus and what he did and that finished work, that death on the cross. 
is what was needed to pay for my sin and for your sin. There is no other payment. God says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way. We can try to be good. We can go to church. We can give, help little old ladies across the street. Whatever we think is good doesn't cut it. Why would God send his own son to go through that if you and I could just be good and get to heaven that way? How foolish. That would mean that God made a mistake. God does not make mistakes. He says, my son, he is the only way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets here except through him. And so Jesus willingly dies on that cross so that whosoever, so that you, if you believe on the Lord Jesus, what does that mean? It's a little difficult to explain to children to believe. There's a couple things you need to know as you believe. You need to know, first of all, we're in trouble with a holy God. Where you sit, where I stand, we are in trouble with a holy God without the Lord Jesus. That's the first thing we need to believe and understand. The second thing we need to believe is that Jesus Christ died and paid for my punishment because I could not pay for it for myself. He paid for your sin because you could not pay for that on your own. It would take all of eternity in hell to pay for our sin. But he loved us and he willingly gave his blood, shed his blood for you and I. And so we need to know that, that that payment was for my sin, for your sin. It was enough to pay for all the sin. He rose from the dead, didn't he? It proved that the payment was good. It, it proved that he was who he said he was. And he's stronger than sin and he's stronger than death. We need to know that. We need to believe that. And then we need to believe that God will keep his word. When, when he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, this is God speaking. And when God says that and you trust in him and completely trust in that finished work on the cross to pay for your sin, God will do his part of the bargain. We believe. He says, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. I believe it. And when you come to that place where whosoever, where you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and you're trusting in him completely, what is the promise at the end of John three sixteen? You will not perish You'll not be separated. You'll not be punished for your sin. Why? Because it was already paid for. God made him to be sin for us when he knew no sin that you and I might have the righteousness of God in him. It's already paid for. And so when you and I come in belief, he says you will not be punished for your sin. Already paid for. Already taken care of. And so what he says is, I'll give instead of the punishment, I'll give you eternal life. Pretty neat verse, isn't it? That's the rest of the message. That's the message that because God, or excuse me, because John Spring cared for people. That's the message that John Spring wants you as people to hear. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus? Are you able to grow in, in grace and in the knowledge of Christ? You cannot if you have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. John Spring is with his Savior this morning. Praise God. Not because John Spring was a good man. We heard what kind of a good man he was. And he was. But he's not there because he was a good man. He's there because he was one of the whosoevers that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. 
finished, done, the work is done. And now he stands before his, his Savior, complete. So I guess my challenge this morning, from John's lips, if he was here, my challenge to you this morning is, what have you done with the Lord Jesus? He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And if you will believe, you will be saved from your sin. You will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. What about you this morning? Okay. John would not want you to miss out on that this morning. He wants to see you there. You meant something to him or you wouldn't be here this morning. Let's all meet him up there, okay? Don't want to leave anybody behind, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you loved us when we were unworthy enemies of God, going our own way. You loved us enough to to give, to give yourself, to die on that cross, that we might have eternal life. And we celebrate the life of John, and we celebrate the fact that he stands before you this morning. Complete peace, salvation done. It's a done deal. We look forward to that. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this building, and I know this is John's prayer, if there's anyone in this building who will not be there because they have not believed on the Lord Jesus, oh, I pray that they would talk to somebody today and get that straight. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Thank you for this celebration of John Spring. What a dear friend he was. Thank you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, has been said, John was here for just a short while, but he made a tremendous impact because he was, in fact, a man who knew the grace of Christ, who loved Christ and served uh, all the way to the very end. And so he is uh, sorely missed. Thank you, John, for sharing and for Tim uh, and for sharing and Lee. Ruth, I hope you were encouraged. There's much to be encouraged uh, by. I would just, uh, before we uh, give our closing prayer, remind us that uh, John was, as Tim just shared with us, a sinner. And I was thinking of Matthew 18 this week. And the point of Matthew 18 isn't a comparison of who owes the greatest debt. The, the point of Matthew 18, if I know most of you all are familiar with that, is that the debt was unpayable. And that's true for all of us. And John certainly wasn't a perfect man, as none of us are a perfect people. Uh, but he was forgiven. And he trusted in the grace of Jesus Christ. And for that reason, we celebrate uh, his life. We celebrate it with joy and with hope. And we remember uh, those he left behind. Death, as I said earlier, is unnatural. It is an enemy. It's called in Scripture. But it's also defeated through the victory of Jesus Christ. And it's to that end we want to pray and remember our dear friend and uh, beloved servant of our Lord. So if you would, pray with me, and we'll sing a final closing hymn, and that will end our service. Our Lord Jesus, you said in your word, 
the testimony of the lips of a man who was himself uh, one who knew the bitterness of sin but knew the great mercy of forgiveness. David, who said, How blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, the one to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And as was just shared, it's because that iniquity that is the burden of all of us by nature was placed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who bore it as our substitute, as our sin-bearer, and as a guilt-offering, and then rose from the dead on our behalf. It is to your grace, O God, that we commend the life of John, this dear and precious servant of yours who is now with you. We do pray that as the days go on and the service is over and the memories will be flooding in the many days ahead to those who loved him, that you would bring much comfort. Again, I pray that to Ruth and the rest of his family, his children, that you would comfort them in the way that, Holy Spirit, only you can comfort them. And that the mark of um, his life would be as one forgiven. And we pray, Lord, that there would be, that would be the attitude of all those here. That there would be that attitude of trust in your grace that produces in our lives as well what was evident in John's heart that extends forgiveness as it was received and extends mercy as it was received and is faithful to you who showed that mercy to the very end. May you be honored and praised in his life and may you be honored and praised in our lives and so that so many encouraging words of truth could be shared at our funeral as well and memorial as well. May you be honored and may you be praised and may your comfort be deeply felt to those who so loved him. We commend these things to you as request, and we pray in the name of your dear and beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you know, there's quite a few world religions out there, but the only one I know that does a lot of singing is Christianity, biblical Christianity, because we have a lot to be happy for. There's hope in Christ. There's hope beyond the grave. There's hope for screwed up teenagers with long hair who do drugs and uh, turn to the Lord. The Lord gives them a new life in Jesus. And uh, that was John. And I, I'll remember him to the day I die. So I do want to remind people, if you have parents and they're alive, The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. And let me tell you something, do it. Because when they're gone, it's too late. You can't, you know, it's, I have a lot of regrets. Because my parents are long gone. But if your parents are alive, you honor your father and your mother. It doesn't matter if they're Christians or not Christian, it doesn't matter what they've done. Because when they're gone, it's too late. So let's uh, remember the Lord who John loved and had faith in. And I know he loved this hymn. He loved the, the story behind the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, 493. So we can stand up and we can sing that the God of all comfort can comfort us with peace. 
peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul though Satan should buffet though trial should come let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well. That was great singing, and uh, what? Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, my wife's signaling to me. <laughs> There's food downstairs. Let's give thanks for the food now. It's much easier. 
And uh, I have to say, this was probably the nicest memorial service I've ever experienced. Um, and John was a, a real blessing because of the Lord working in his life and made him, made him the guy he was. That's what made him a great guy, was that he loved and believed in a great God. So let's just uh, give thanks for the food. We're all going to go downstairs, and we can, we can have more fellowship and food. Our God, our Father, we thank you that you haven't left us without hope, that when we were lost and uh, our feet were stuck in the mud, you pulled us up, and you can set our feet on a rock. When we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, who came into this world and he lived a perfect life of obedience to you that led only to the cross where you would pay for our sins and you raised them up on the third day and now we seated at your right hand and we have victory in Jesus. The same power that raised him from the dead works in us. Lord, we pray that you would uh, comfort Ruth with peace that passes all understanding. Help her to go on serving you uh, in the, while she's here on earth. And we thank you for the food you've provided. Uh, thank you for all of, your, um, all of your love to us and all of your provision. Thank you that we serve a risen Savior. Thank you for the bond we have in Christ. We thank you for this time. Ask your blessing upon our day. Bless those who have traveled. Keep them safe on the road as they go home. In Jesus' name, amen.